looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day, this is Pass the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. Good morning, everyone. Yes, Pass the Post, Sunday, August the 22nd. I'm going to get this out of the road first. I got a text yesterday from my co-host to say I've got a share in another winner today <laughs> called Early Thoughts. Ben Dorries, how, how much money do you want? No, it's not a fair income share, David. This is just a, a syndicate of punters that ended up with a you know, small share of a horse. I think I think if you probably worked it out, I'd have point zero five of a percent. But you know what? It doesn't really matter in racing, does it? You could own a you could own half a hair on the back of a horse's bum and you still think <laughs> you're an owner. So and if you don't mind, fourteen dollars down the Gulf Coast early thoughts. Something for the something for the battlers. I was about to say, tell the listeners the price you got. Now, but you know the good bit of news about this, early thoughts races in the Archer Park colours and you can still buy shares in Early Thoughts. Well, <laughs> so you've won money yesterday. Build up your uh, your interest in Early Thoughts. Go to the website, archerparkracing.com.au. He's a Vancouver three-year-old, lightly raced, cutest money. It was a good win yesterday too. What about what did you think of the halfway down the straight? Uh, yeah, I, I gave him a good chance, actually. Like, he was sort of hard at it, but it was like that in the previous run too. I think 1,600 is going to be probably uh, his ideal distance. And I think he, he's a bit like me. David, back in the day, and this is—I've had this procedure. I think he needs gelding the horse, so I think we might even see a bit of a better horse next time. Too much information there. I think we'll just <laughs> stick to the website, archerparkracing.com.au. You can buy shares in early thoughts. You can be in with a winner. He was a winner yesterday, and a good, tough winner was too. And he ran good time. Well, apart from that, it was a good day of racing, uh, of course, right around Australia yesterday, but principally. Uh, to Royal Randwick. We had the first group one of the season. We'll get straight into it. This is the Wink Stakes and very elegant. She was trying to defend her title in this race. She was the $4.20 favourite. Dreamforce turns the corner in front by length and a half to Brandon Berg. Now McDonald rouses along the great mare, very elegant. Mawunga's a half length away, then Star of the Seas Colding. Down to the 200, Dreamforce still the leader. Coming through the middle is Brandon Berg. Mawunga, very elegant. She'll really have to lift as Mawunga put the head in front. Very elegant's trying to fight back. There's a swarm coming late. Cascading right down the outside, but Mawunga's won it. Mawunga, I think's beaten very elegant. Oh, there's been a, a fall here. Yes, there was a, a nasty fall. We'll talk about that shortly. We'll, we'll talk about it now. Brandenburg, of course, broke down uh, in the last 200 metres. But it was Mawunga taking the spoils. Very elegant at face the breeze. Three wide, no cover. She raced up and hit the lead. But Mawunga arrived in the nick of time. And what somewhat an extraordinary story this is, considering this horse won a maiden at the Gold Coast in June last year. And here we are now, just over a year down the track, two group one, two group one wins on the board. Annabelle Nisham, of course, we spoke to her so many times when Zaki was performing brilliantly during our carnival. But today the story's about Moonga and she's our first guest this morning. Annabelle, good morning and congratulations. Morning. Thank you very much. What were your thoughts going into the race? Did you give Moonga a chance of winning the race yesterday? Yeah, I did. Um, and that's why I had the blinkers on and I thought, you know, ordinarily, I suppose, last prep I saved them for the Ramwick Guineas and I thought this time, well, what am I saving them for? Because... He can win this race. Um, there's a lot of horses resuming. Um, I think all bar one uh, and a number of horses that are obviously going to be better over a bit of ground. And he's a horse that I've got in the back of my mind, a, a horse for a golden eagle. And if that's the case, then you certainly want to see him going close over this sort of trip. So I did give him a chance. Um, the barrier concerned me a little bit. Um, but, yeah, it was a peach of a ride. It just couldn't have panned out better for him, really, getting on the back of the good mare. 
I think uh, he's been propelled to, I think, a $15 chance in the Cox Plate, Annabelle, where, of course, you've got um, the favourite Zaki as well. Is Mo go a chance of going to Melbourne or stays in, in Sydney for the spring? Or what are you thinking? Well, I've got to obviously chat through that with the owners um, uh, and see, you know, what's best for the horse and what's best for them and, and what's best for everybody. So I don't think we need to make a decision yet. Um, I think, you know, we'll probably find a... A mile race, I'd say it'll be a George Main or possibly a Maccabi Diva for him next, and then and then work it out. I don't think we need to decide his grand final right now. Um, but if you know if he stays in Sydney for a Golden Eagle, we'll certainly be trying to keep him as fresh as we can. We can't understate his talent. He's had ten starts, the veteran of ten starts, five wins and two seconds. He's a dual. Group one winner. I'm interested in in Tommy Berry's thoughts about this horse because, of course, he knows him well. Tell us, what, what was he telling you leading up to yesterday's race about how he thought he developed? Well, he's only, he'd only managed to sit on on him the once because obviously Warwick Farm's in, in one mm. of the hard lockdown LGA areas. So he only um, got the chance to sit on, it, on him at Ramwick um, sort of eight days out. Um, but he said to me that day he felt stronger. Um, so, you know, he, that's the only time he sat on him, really. But I, I did reassure him that I thought the horse... Um, would go very close and um, I know from that bit of work that he did he was certainly going into yesterday quite confident. A lot of trainers go their entire career without winning a group one let alone three and you've already got three in the space of just about no time uh, if I told you when you started training you'd, you'd already have three group ones would you would you have believed it? Did you think you have you had the horsepower to, to make the superb start you have to your training career or, or is it surprised even yourself? Oh absolutely it's it surprised me for sure. Um, having said that, I've been really fortunate with the horses that I've got in the stables. So, um, you know, with with the quality that's there, you know, I'm glad that I have managed to get them to win Group Ones. Uh, the two horses that have, um, because they're certainly of that of that calibre. Um, but you can't do it without good horses. There'll be, you know, there's there'll be a lot of trainers that haven't won Group Ones that that are that should have, um, but probably haven't had the horsepower. So I'm just lucky that. In my first 12 months, um, I've got some wonderful horses and, and some great owners and support. So um, you've got to keep building the results to keep getting the support. But um, so far, it's going quite well. Just as far as the race itself was concerned, it was a pretty good watch, wasn't it? He was able to angle in that three-wide cover line on the back of the horse you'd like to be on the back of. Very elegant. Yeah, exactly. It couldn't have panned out more more perfectly, really. Um it was a bit surreal seeing him getting into a battle with her and coming out on top um, because she's such a fighter. Um, but I think it just goes to show how, how the horse has matured. It, it looks like probably a million to one, uh, certainly at the moment with the, the COVID grief that Sydney is going through, that you would personally yourself be able to get to, to Melbourne um, for the spring. D- does that play in your mind at all in terms of what you do with your good horse? I remember having a conversation with you a month or so ago in regards to Zaki, and I think at the time you sort of said, gee whiz, I, I might even keep Zaki in Sydney until the last minute because I really want to actually be there and I don't particularly want to sort of let him go. Does that, does that play in your mind at all? I mean, are these horses, or, or do you, is it just sort of horses for courses and they're set for particular races, or do you really want to keep an eye on them as long as you possibly can yourself? Yeah, well, it's, it obviously, you want, if it's not me, you, you certainly want it to be someone else within the team that, that knows the horse. Um, you know, he Zaki had a, a long stint in Queensland, and I came up once or twice a week, but 
uh, Raphael um, did a great job with him up there. Um, but it does play on your mind. If, if I can't send my own staff down there, then it, it does make it hard. And, and um, yeah, it perhaps does mean he stays in, in Sydney for a bit longer. But you've also got to look at what, what races you think will suit the horse. And for me, um, you know, the, the main aim with, with Zaki will be to have him peaking for the Cox Plate. So it's just working out the best way to get him there. And I think, you know, you can be with a horse like him. I can be relatively fluid with my plans because... He's a horse that, that's happy to run every fortnight, um, and there's there's plenty of options for him. So I don't feel like I need to lock in a, a plan. I've got his first up run sorted, and, and I've got the Cox Plate there to aim for. So um, we'll just keep fluid um, and see how the situation evolves. That's a great segue into talking about Zaki. Tell us uh, how how he's spelled, how's he going now, and where are we kicking off? Uh, he spelled up at Hinterland, um, Sarah Gardner, and um, he spelled really well. He only had three weeks off, but they must have magic grass up there or something because it <laughs> looked like he'd been spelling for two months. Um, but he spelled well. He pre-trained up there, so he was still in, enjoying slightly warmer weather, and I think that's really helped him. So uh, he looks magnificent. He's still got a bit of a coat on him. Um, but that doesn't concern me. He was actually pretty hairy by the time it got to the Q22. Um, and I haven't clipped him. I'm just going to wait for his coat to come naturally. It's starting to come. And, um, yeah, he's got a, a jump out on Thursday. And then he'll kick start in the tramway on the 4th. So, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to getting him back to the races. Yeah, I know your, your old boss uh, was never shy of uh, celebration, Kieran Mara, of course, after winning a big race. You're obviously in very strict lockdown, but did you have a, a couple of bottles of champagne in the in the fridge or something ready to go? Were you able to sort of celebrate at home, or, or what did you sort of, or did you just have an early one, yeah, well, considering you're in lockdown? I'm lucky where I live, the, the local pub still does takeaway margaritas. <laughs> so, um, had a few of those, and um, my housemate. Um, Gab Nutt, she actually works for Kieran and but she's got a their family bred known um, She's Ideal with Bjorn Baker who obviously ran a super race and was third yesterday so it was a sort of double celebration last night a few pizzas and a few mugs What a great start it was with Moonga yesterday getting that group one you've got him to look forward to and of course Zaki as well, I'm sure we'll be talking during the spring but, but thanks for your time this morning we appreciate it. Thanks for having me on she is Annabelle Neesham, the trainer of Moonga, and a trainer certainly going places. Yeah, t- take away margaritas. Yeah. That'll do me. That sounds sensational. Sounds good. Uh, the race, uh, all honours with the winner Moonga, very elegant, very good in running second, considering she was exposed three wide. Now, they ran this at a good gallop. They they went a tick over 47 the first half mile. So that's why you probably saw so many horses running to the line strongly. There seemed to be a lot of red flashing lights, and they were good runs, but maybe just a little flattered by the good tempo. That makes very elegance run extremely good because she did it tough in the breeze. Yeah, no doubt you're right. But I'd, I'd say three quarters of uh, the trainers who had horses in that uh, in that field would have gone home absolutely delighted. She's ideal. Obviously, went enormous nom for the sort of Caulfield and Melbourne Cups. Mm. Uh, the Japanese horse, who I can't pronounce, went great. Cascadian, hungry heart. Even if you know, if she had have had clear air, think it over was good too. So look, there was. I think next time, uh, some, a lot of these horses are going to meet again. I mean, next time mm. it'll make for a, a fascinating sort of betting duel. I mean, everyone will have different opinions on horses that may have been unlucky in this race or may not. So yeah, it's a, it, was, that, it was terrific, I thought. That's a good point. The first six runners over the line are half a length cover them. So 
it was a busy finish to say the least. So Mawonga, uh, Golden Eagle, Cox Plate. Golden Eagle, I think now favourite, uh, five or six dollars. These markets will have a lot of fluidity in them as we were talking about last week because so many things will happen and, and market framers will probably react a bit uh, quicker than, than they normally would. So, But one can understand why Mawonga would be up there at the top of the, the Golden Eagle markets. Yeah, I've got to say that, cra- that Golden Eagle, I mean, some people pot... Um the so-called pop-up races, which is half a derogatory term, that is mm. going to be an absolutely cracking race this year. There's good horses left, right and centre going to that race. So, um, you know, there'll be plenty of good races in the spring, but that that won't be just a Mickey Mouse affair, that Golden Eagle. That'll be an absolute ripper. We've been talking about how successful our carnival was here during the winter and how many uh, great stories it produced, how many great performances it produced, and we're hoping that they'll be franked in the spring. Here's another one of them called Private Eye. He wins the show county quality, first up for Joe Pride and comes with a brilliant finish. 600 metres to run. Splintex three quarters to Lalude. Embraces peeling three wide. Even deeper now is Ice Bath Chat. Travelling okay right behind them. And two further back to Hightail on the fence. Prime Star gets right to the outside. Six off the lead. Splintex is travelling from Embracer who took a sit today and Embracer's laying it down to Splintex. Ice Bath goes to third a length off them. Private Eye and Prime Star's winding up on the outside. Embracer takes a narrow lead at the 100 metres. Private Eye's charging home the end. Embracer, Private Eye, Private Eye over the top. J4 with a pick-up right on Private Eye, knocked off Embracer, who looked home. Then came Ice Bath and Splintex, further back to Chat, Hightail, then Rock, Lelude, Fender, and Prime Star stopped pretty quickly. Seven wins from ten starts. Here's an exciting prospect, Private Eye. First up yesterday, Brent Navdullah was involved in a fall earlier. He couldn't ride and J4 picked up the ride. Joe Pride's the trainer, and Joe joins us this morning on Past the Post. Joe, good morning. Yeah, good morning. What a day it was for you yesterday. Well, firstly, talk about Private Eye. I asked Annabelle Neesham what chance she gave Mauga going into the wing stakes. What chance did you give Private Eye first up yesterday? The the, the trials had me a, a, a quite confident, but um, based on everything he asked about him historically, you knew that he was going to... Um, Whatever he did yesterday, there was going to be a significant amount of improvement. That's probably the most exciting thing about that win. The Epsom, I'm assuming, is on your your, your radar now, Joe. And I'm assuming you probably, if it is, you, you probably found your Epsom jockey in, in lightweight J J Ford, who, who picked up a ride yesterday. Yes, yeah, no, that's um, one of the the positive, the real positives to come out of yesterday. Um, yeah, there's the there's the Epsom, and, and then obviously the Eagle afterwards. Um, it's pretty sort of hard to turn your back on that. You know, there's going to be a lot of horses not going to four-year-olds anyway, not going to Melbourne to be... to be in, And I'm assuming some Melbourne horses coming up here to be to be part of that race, that's for sure. The proof's in the pudding. He won first up yesterday and was very good in winning. You pulled up stumps early. You pulled up stumps after the Queensland Guineas. Um, uh, was, was In hindsight, was that a, a good move, do you think? Oh, look, uh, there was the, the possibility of hanging around for the, um, for the Stradbroke, but I, I don't think his benchmark was going to get him in there and it meant running him again and it just sort of... It just it was dragging on, and and we've had in mind for a fair while the Golden Eagle for this for this um, um, for this horse. So, you know, I needed to get him in the paddock, and um, he had the, he had that nice break up there in Queensland, and um, you know that was no certainly no regrets uh, doing what we did there. His racing sort of style is interesting, isn't it, Joe? Look, he sort of seems to hit a bit of a flat spot in in races, but then once he's out of that, he just literally he looks like he's jet propelled. He explodes. Yeah. Yeah, you got to love his his last sections in in races. They're, they're really really strong. And it's obviously um, he's got a great, great cardio to be able to be able to do that. Um, he ran 
its last 600 just had 32.7. So mm. that's um, you don't really even see many sprinters being able to do that. So it's pretty good for a miler. Yeah, exactly right. And I was going to bring up about the times because when Embracer didn't lead, Splintex was left in front. I think they went like 36 and a tick the first 600 metres in a 1,200-metre group event. Well, it's going to make the, the task for the backmarkers difficult, but he overcame that bias. And as you said, his sectional was spectacular. So you must have left uh, Randwick yesterday, you know, tickled pink with that performance. Yeah, it's um, the run of a horse, you know, um, that's, that's got some some major wins in, in store there. And when you look at how many starts he's had, it all... Um, it all uh, it all just yeah, pitches really well for, for him um, for the spring, but also just for the next couple of seasons. And the day obviously ended terrifically for you as well in Melbourne with Ballistic uh, Lover winning the Carlon. Um, and that, you know, Mooney Valley is a horses for courses track, so that could even set you up uh, potentially for a race like the Moyer, I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah, that's what we're thinking. And, and that's a, a month or so away. So it gives, um, gives us plenty of time for her to... Um, to get over this run, and that's what she needs. She likes those runs spaced. Um, that's what we did with the last preparation, and, and it worked well. So that'll be the, the plan this time as well. You drew one in the toy show with Ballistic Lover, and you elected to, to go to Melbourne. Was that a hard decision? Not really. Uh, look, I'm a pretty big believer. Them. There's some pretty pretty good judges out there. And when they put her up at twenty to one in Sydney, and you know single figure odds in Melbourne, it was a it was a pretty easy decision. And also that opportunity to give her a, give her a spin around Mooney Valley um, for future reference. I think that was really important. Joe, she's taken a decent step, hasn't she? I called her in a race at Doombin, I think, back in, in April, and uh, she almost threw the race away, but she only just won, and all of a sudden here she is winning enlisted company in the, uh, the, you know, almost we're into the spring. So, you know, she's taken a good step, a decent step forward. Yeah, and, and again, with that sort of profile being a lightly raced horse, you figure there's, there's more to come. She's a big, strong filly with a good pedigree. Um, so, yeah, she's she's an exciting prospect. Can you uh, give the listeners and punters um, uh, just a bit of an update on your on your uh, exceptionally good horse, Eduardo? She trialled at Warwick Farm uh, recently. When do, when do we see him back and how's he ticking along? Yep, no, he's really good. So he's got another trial coming up Um most likely on the 10th uh, at Ram, which is eight days before the shorts, and that's that's our aim, the shorts. Um, so we'll go there and and then hopefully secure our, or maybe even before then secure our, our ever slot and um, and be part of that again this year. It sounds like there's something cooking there, Joe. I remember after the Doom and 10,000, you were already talking Everest, and it sounds like there might be something almost not in the back pocket, but it sounds like you're pretty confident about getting a slot with the Dwighter. Well, I just, I mean, the horse. The horse's form justifies a, a, a position in the in the field, and it's not um, it's not your typical race. You know, if it was if it just went off benchmark, he's, he's you know one of the first ones in there. But we know there's um, there's a few more um, uh, layers to it than that. And um, but yeah, we've got to, we've got a few things uh, working uh, our way through there at the moment. But I'm reasonably confident we'll um, we'll get in there. Well, there are seven spots left. We're now less than two months to the Everest. If if Eduardo's not one of those seven, you'd want to give the game away. Yeah, yeah, and, that, and that's why we're, we're not not in any panic about it. You know, I've uh, got a great group of connections there. We're just happy to, to to sit back and and just concentrate on on the horse and have him right for the day, and that the rest will fall into place. Great day at the office yesterday. We hope to talk again during the spring. Thanks for your time. And yeah, thanks very much, guys. Joe Pry joining us. Uh, a two-state black type double yesterday. Private Eye winning the. Show County at Royal Ramick and Ballistic Lover winning the car line at, um, at Mooney Valley. And I think a good thing about uh, Ballistic Lover is, you know, some horses handle Mooney Valley, some horses don't, but she she went around there beautifully yesterday. Well, it's, it, as I said, um, it has ticked that Mooney Valley box. If she can get into a Moya 
Um, uh, you know what? She'd be a live chance after that. And you would suspect some of the very best sprinters won't be going to a Moya, given mm. the options in Sydney. So, uh, you know, that Moya may not be the, the strongest race you've ever seen. So it might bring, uh, you know, a horse like her right into it. Six from 13 is her record, Ballistic Lover. Let's press on and look back at some of the other features at Royal Randwick yesterday. We'll go to the Silver Shadow Traditional starting point for the three-year-old fillies, the first leg of the Princess Series. Their favourite was four moves ahead at $2.50. Glistening just leads from Tillianum. Swift Wetner's three out, four moves ahead, four out, five out as Love Me Tender, followed by Extreme Time bottled up on the fence. Further back to Latino Blend, Mallory in a very bad spot and Trafarcher's getting to the outside. Glistening, Swift Wetner's and four moves ahead is asked to finish it off now and she put her head in front. Jamea's looking for room. Latino Blend's running a cheeky race. Four moves ahead and Swift Wetner's. Swift Wetner's the insider. Four moves ahead. Swift Wetner's goes home. Best to cause an upset. Swift Witness beat Latino Blender and four moves ahead third. Then Jamea from Mallory. Trafarcher next from Glistening. A bit of interference. Well, of course, we saw her up here in the summer. Uh, she won that uh, lead-up race to the Magic Millions. Actually ran favourite of the Magic Millions, $3.50. Finished down the line, went back to Sydney and ran second in the Riesling and then... Uh, down the line in the Golden Slipper, but a good effort uh, yesterday considering she was three wide, no cover. Yeah, absolutely. She's always had talent. I think I backed her on being the Magic Millions and she never fired a shot and I have a look at her yesterday. But anyway, um, well, yeah. That was the one loser you've backed this year. <laughs> yeah, no, I've backed Every time plenty. else you talk to me, every time you talk to me, you're backing winners. No, oh, well, I've backed plenty of losers. Don't worry about that. But look, I guess the main talking point out of that race really was that bad fall mm. that Brett and Abdullah had on uh, extreme time. Uh, gee whiz, when I saw it live, your sort of heart skipped the beat, didn't it? But Brenton Abdullah uh, tweeting from hospital yesterday, uh, last night, that, you know, he was basically okay. He's, he's got some injuries, but, you know, he, he hasn't, he's not seriously injured, um, which is terrific, probably the best he, he could have hoped for. And it, you know what, it, it sort of got me thinking, you know, we had two horses, horses sad, sadly uh, euthanised there yesterday, and... Do you know what? If that had been a Melbourne Cup, I mean, gee whiz, wouldn't they have come from everywhere? I mean, but sometimes these things, unfortunately, and as sad as it is, they do happen in racing, don't they, you know? They certainly do. And I take your point too, and I'm sure the listeners will concur with this, any fall is a bad fall, but sometimes they do look worse. And visually, that looked a shocker, didn't it? Yeah, I had to turn away from the TV. It was, uh, I mean, I was at... Eagle Farm in the press box, and I thought, gee whiz, and, and you know, so that, that, that is, I guess, the one, you know, I get potted on social media every day of the week, and, you know, I, I spend half my week sort of blocking people and whatever, but that is the one good thing about social media, isn't it, that you can get those quick rapid-fire updates mm. fairly quickly. You knew Brenton Abdullah wasn't seriously hurt, and not too long after that, you saw you saw him, you know, on Twitter and Instagram and whatever, posting pictures of himself in hospital. So there's that instant information that you get, that sort of puts everyone's you know, mind at ease. It can be tough for race callers too, say this with some experience, because it can distract you and you think to yourself, and off, particularly for fallers in the last 200 metres, and you're thinking, do I mention this? Do I, do I go back to the finish? You know, where do I apportion the, uh, the you know, well, time? Well, what's your view on that? Because, I mean, to be honest, the... the, the, the the story out of that race was really the fall, wasn't it? So, I mean, we can talk about the, you know, how good the winner was ad nauseum, but I think, you know, when people reflect on that race, they'll look at the fall. As a race caller, what's your modus operandi in, in a situation like that? Well, I think to do a clean job on it, you acknowledge the fall, and if you can, the rider, if you can remember who the rider is, 
but then you must go back to the to the race and, and you know, get the placings right. That's in a perfect world. It doesn't always happen that way. Emotions can take over. You can be more distracted than, than you know one time than another. So it's uh, it's sort of you know every case is a different one. But there's uh, no rule book, I guess, no, no, there for it. You know, not at all, not at all. Let's go to the uh, second last race yesterday. Big field here in the Toy Show quality for the fillies and mares. Villamay was able to hold them all out here approaching the bend and they've gone along hard. It's Villamay in front from Volpine at Lillamore the outside. Tayo fourth on the inside looking for room. So Zenimator's seasons winds up. Then came great news for Tusas coming down the outside. Now Lillamore takes a narrow lead. There's a charge coming. Great news and Fatus. They're the two main ones with Tayo the far side. It's Fatus and great news. Fatus the outside. Fatus goes home best. There's another late pickup ride. Fatus beat great news. And Taylor, the inside, has finished in third. So uh, Jean Van Overmeer picking up the spoils late there. Uh, they were followed then by uh, Written Beauty, clear late. Forbidden Love got home hard. Then came Emanate further back. To... As I said, a big field. And again, uh, several be on me next time runs or follow me during the spring runs. But Fatus was best on the day. Yeah, absolutely. And a nice little touch there. Not that anything would ever make up for, for losing a horse on the day. But John Thompson, of course, trained extreme time uh, who went a miss earlier in the day so that was um, a, a, yeah, pick me up is probably the wrong word but a nice little touch there I guess Gee there were some roughies during the day 10 bills were the first $16 Torrens won the second at $26 I see he's trained now in, in Sydney by a lady called Laurie Parker Ethan Ensby had this horse up in the Northern Rivers it's been to Brisbane a few times but it got up at big odds uh, always sure won the fourth at $13 and then for two we mentioned double figures my woman was double figures and a tissue went by the last it was in the market. So overall, I'd say bookies finished in front of putters yesterday at Ramwick. Yeah, with ten races in Sydney every Saturday, um, it's a it's a long fight, isn't it? I mean, if you if you're down early, you've got plenty of time to fight back, and if you're up early, you've got plenty of time to give it back. You didn't give it back yesterday. You put it in the pocket and kept it there. <laughs> what what price did you get again? Um, <laughs> stop asking me. The price changes every time I ask you the story. Tax, there's someone from the tax office is listening uh, to this for sure. Let's go to the Valley, Mooney Valley. Now, we'll have a listen to the Ballistic Lovers race the Carline Stakes, listed level. Ancestry's had it pretty easy in front, coming up towards the corner at the 400 metres, three quarters of a length, Estella Rocker. And came Ballistic Lover getting closer, a length off those. Two lengths, Queen Annabelle, Ashlaw, Grey Worm, and Miss Albania still last around the turn. At the 200, Estella Rocker puts it to Ancestry. Ballistic Lover still right there at the 100. Estella Rocker and Ballistic Lover. Ballistic Lover pounds up, takes the lead, and Ballistic Lover has won the car line a half. Estella Rocker. Two lengths, Miss Albania from Ashlaw. Ancestry got the stitch from Queen Annabelle. And at the tail of the field was Grey Worm. Not going to get any easier for Ballistic Lover. We've been talking about the Moy, but uh, the win's the win at listed level. And as I said, I think she's taken a really good step forward. She had a light campaign last campaign, but uh, she did the job in good style there. Yeah, and I thought Esther LaRocca, actually, the runner-up, was, um, was, uh, was pretty tough. So, look, might be a, a race... Uh, these aren't the top liners, obviously, the very top liners, but might uh, might be some format of this going forward we can follow to some extent into the Melbourne Spring. Let's go to the other listed feature. It was the Mackenzie Stakes. This race for the three-year-old Colts and Geldings. And Halal was a big tip all morning and was a solid favourite, $2.40. Here's the replay. 
And at the 700 metres off the rails, Jigsaw led Rock Artist by a length and a half and led it clearly. And they've gone hard. Three links, he's exceptional. Followed by Athelric and next Halal from Smitzer well back in the field, Beldivian and Daily Bugle. Jigsaw tries to fill up the lungs approaching the corner at the 400 metres. A length and a half, Rock Artist. Two links, he's exceptional. Athelric about four off the lead. Hooked to the outside. Then came Halal, who's going to be the widest into the straight. And Daily Bugle making up ground. Jigsaw in the running at the 200 metres, led by a length. He's exceptional. And they were followed by Athelric down the outside. Jigsaw grabbed by He's Exceptional. He's Exceptional takes the lead and it's going to be an upset. He's Exceptional won the McKenzie from Jigsaw and Athelric. Next in the field, Daily Bugle from Halal, who didn't come on, and then came Rock Artis Smeitzer. Beldivian was last. Amazing, uh, the twists of fortune in a short space of time. Part owners of his exceptional Seymour Bloodstock. Only 20 minutes earlier, they saw their horse Brandenburg break down in the wings. And here it was 20 minutes later, winning the uh, Mackenzie with his exceptional. Yeah, it's the, the ebbs and flows of racing, isn't it? And look, I was particularly interested in the, the post-race story of this horse. The um, Trent Pursuitans racing manager um, said that very recently the owners gave away a 5% share in this gelding as a, as a raffle prize and the lads from the Berwick Footy Club won the prize. I actually lived in Berwick when, yeah. I, was, uh, when I was in Melbourne. Terrific, terrific area. So racing does, you know, we could talk about the, the, the rich rich shakes and the, the, the big-time trainers like the Chris Wallers of the world, but, you know, the, the boys from the Berwick Footy Club, they've got 5% of this horse, and I'm tipping they backed it as well. That's the sort of stuff that really makes racing tick, isn't it? One week ago we interviewed Natalie Young... <laughs> she could have tipped us this. Did she not tip us this? Did she not say follow he's exceptional? How did that thing go midweek? Did it win? It did she ran, tip us? No, well, no, it was on the Sunday. It was racing that day. It ran second. But, but the real good one she tipped us was on the Wednesday, wasn't it? Remember, she said there was one for Sunday, but she, she spruced us one on the Wednesday. Oh. I don't know what happened to it, but anyway, she could have tipped, tipped us this horse. Well, I know last Sunday the one she tipped us ran second, but they won the first race for the first start of that day. So, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, what's going on, Natalie? We should have got what's her back on this now? morning and given her, given her a server. He's exceptional. Big odds there. I thought um, they put the blinkers on Jigsaw yesterday. He seemed to go too fiercely in front, and his run was good under the circumstances. He really set it up for something to run him down. Under the circumstances, he wasn't beaten all that far. But Halal ran fifth, but I thought, you know, with good tempo, was entitled to run on better than what it did. Yeah, it didn't fire a shot, did it, Halal? I thought, to be honest, I thought Jigsaw's run was better than good. I thought it was exceptional, given the... Well, exceptional's maybe overstating it, but very, very good, given the, the break next, next speed, and to only just get run down. So there were, there were two he's exceptionals in the race. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I think um, I th we certainly shouldn't give up on Jigsaw. There's some, some quality there for sure. Mimsy Stakes Day next Saturday at Caulfield. Of course, the San Domenico will be the feature at Kembla next Saturday in New South Wales. We'll take a break here on Past the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing and back to look at Eagle Farm on the other side of this break. <laughs> This is Pass the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. And don't forget to go to the website, archerparkracing.com.au. A lot of horses there for sale. You can be maybe the owner of a Magic Millions winner. Yes. Or a maiden winner at the Gold Coast well, yesterday, which you were. Wouldn't that be nice? Exactly right. Eagle Farm yesterday, we raced on a good four track. The first race we're going to have a listen to is the... Three-year-old event race. It's only a small field, very competitive race in running. They, they ran at a strong tempo. Release the Beans was attempting to extend his winning streak. He was the $2.25 favourite.
Coming up to the turn, 500 left to run. Jumbo goals in the lead from Rocketati on the outside. Queen's Pier was next, then released the beans. Finchkeel being pulled to the outside. A minute away was Yes, We're Ready. They're fully homeward bound now. 300 left to run. Jumbo goal leads away. Release the beans. Challenges strongly. Queen's Pier's only battling. Finchkeel is still running on well. Down to the 200 metres, they release the beans in front. Finchkeel is going to pose a danger, and they'll fight it out. Release the beans the inside. Finchkeel the outside. Finchkeel release the beans, stride for stride, release the beans, something in the locker boy, release the beans, beat Finch Keel in what was a soul-stirring struggle, Rocket Arty a minute away third, and then at longer intervals, Jumbo goal, Queen's Pier, and a minute away, yes, we're ready. Yeah, it was a soul-stirring struggle. They beat the others easily, released the beans, uh, did extend that winning streak. He's won four from five, and he's won his past three city assignments. Great effort. Rob Heathcote's the trainer. He joins us as our next guest on Pass the Post. Good morning, good sir. Yeah, good morning, David. Good morning, Ben and listeners. What about this horse, Release the Beans? Has he surprised you? Um, he, won't, he did win first up, David, and we always knew he had ability. But And then I spelled him straight after that because I thought, well, you've got ability, but you, he hadn't furnished fully. So we flipped him back out in the paddock and and brought him back. And he probably needed that first up run. And then he's gone bang, bang, bang. So he's, he's been super for the stable, great for first light racing. And he can now go and have a break and come back for the uh, the Magic Millions. Before his, sorry, after his uh, win before that, you were um, telling me, Rob, and a lot of other people in the mounting yard that uh, almost certainly Leah Kilner, the three kilo claiming apprentice, would, would go on next start just to take a bit of uh, weight off this guy's back. When, when did that sort of change in your mind? And I'm assuming it was just because you wanted a bit of extra strength perhaps in this race. Uh, good question, Ben, and you're right. I, I think if he'd been given 60 kilos by the handicapper, we may have used Leah's claim, but uh, Luke Dittman, vastly underrated rider, very, very strong rider. And even though Release the Beans had the 59 kilos, there was no dead weight. It was all Luke's riding. And I actually, Luke said to me later, he said it was your horse's toughness that got him home over the line. But I think you can throw in Luke's strength as well. You know, just drilling down a bit further about this horse, when he won two runs ago at Doom, and I remember that day he sat up outside of the leader the tempo was strong. It was something like 44 and something the first 750. That's really good going. He wasn't entitled to race away from them. He did that. So he showed he showed great ability that day. And yesterday, he might be the best horse in your stable. Might, not, might turn out to be one of the best horses in your stable. But I tell you what, try, he doesn't give in. Um, I've got a group of owners here at the stable Sunday morning, David, and I just said the same thing. I just had released the beans out. I said, all good horses need three things. Ability, they need strength and toughness, and throw in determination. Mm-hmm. And I think this horse has the three of those things in spades, and all good horses I've ever had from Buffering to Rothfire to Souls and Nitsen to Wurram, they've got to have all of those assets. And release the beans is... A very, very pleasant revelation. Now, we'll put him in the paddock and, look, he's the type of horse, if he was to come back and find another couple of lengths, you know, in four or five months' time, who knows how good he could be. Speaking of good horses, uh, Prince of Boom, your Champagne Classic winner, I gather is back next Saturday. Uh, what's he in and how are you expecting him to perform first up? Um, he's in a three-year-old plate, which is, a, I think it's the second year they've run this race. Um, 
you know, it's to welcome back the good two-year-olds as we head into spring and and Prince of Boom falls into that category. Being a Group 2 winner, they run the race set weights and penalties, being 56 kilos for the boys, 40, um, 54 for the girls. Uh, if they've won a Group 2, they carry 3 kilos more. Group 1, 4 kilos. So Prince of Boom won the Group 2, so he'll carry 59 kilos. It's going to be tough. There'll be some very, very good Queensland three-year-olds in there, but He's a horse that if, if he's going to measure up to races like the Run to the Rose and the Golden Rose, and the plan is to take him south, uh, we'll see how he goes next next Saturday. I'm expecting a very, very big run. He recently trialled against some some top-quality open company horses. Admittedly, Jonker and Ballistic Boy, they weren't out there to break the clock, but what spirit of, uh, what Prince of Boom did with Luke Dittman in the saddle, he was very impressed by the feel he gave him. So you mentioned Luke Dittman. Uh, ben Thompson uh, has ridden uh, this guy at his three career starts. He's currently obviously suspended, um, rode him in a trial. Who rides Prince of Boom next Saturday? Uh, Luke Dittman will ride him. Uh, he'll carry the 59 kilos. And can I say, Ben, I mean, uh, let, let me let me give a shout-out to Ben Ben Thompson. You know, he copped a, a real whack on the nose with a four-month suspension, but he's working as hard as any rider here in Brisbane. He's doing all the work on Rothfire and done a stack of work on Prince of Boom. So... Ported's to Ben. Well done. Yeah, exactly right. You know I'm a hard marker. When Prince of Boom won that Champagne Classic and was on that seven-day backup, I thought the run he had he was entitled to win and then he went to the size. Uh, maybe I've undersold him a little bit, but what I want you to tell, tell us and the listeners, since then, has this horse developed physically and, and mentally in the last two months? Definitely, David. He's bigger, he's stronger, mentally more seasoned. His track works since, since he's come back from that break. And bear in mind, that was all his first preparation, a maiden at, a maiden at Caloundra, six days later, Group 2, and then two weeks later into a Group 1 where he was caught three and four wide the whole way without cover. So I'm, I'm confident he's going to come back and represent Queensland well. You're very, very good horse, Rothfire. Um, you've got at least two Everest slot holders showing some interest. Uh, how confident are you that you will get an Everest slot? And do you think that could potentially happen before even he resumes or would you be expecting them to sit back and wait and see how he resumes? I would think the smart thing to do then would be to sit back and wait. I mean, we've still got a, a pretty big test coming for Rothfire when he trials at Dooman on the 31st of August and then it's 18 days into the shorts at Ramwick. I think that the, therein lies the big test where he'll get to race the likes of Eduardo and... Uh, classic legend, and there'll, there'll be a couple of other, you know, um, Everest aspirants lining up on that day. So, you know, any any slot holders looking for looking to secure a horse, I think they'll be looking to secure a fit, sound, healthy horse, and it's up to us to prove that Rothfire fits that bill. I speak to you occasionally on press room, not just about your horses, but to gauge your opinions about a variety of matters in, in racing, principally Queensland racing. There was a meeting of administration on Friday uh, to discuss uh, Eagle Farm's future. Were you happy with that result? I'm delighted, David. I mean, when, when the industry comes together as one, like it did on this you know, very serious topic, because we have had issues that date back to 2014. And if I can say publicly, David, I mean, Ben Dorry sitting opposite you, he's been brilliant. He's really brought this to a head the last two or three months with some real hard-hitting, cutting articles that brought the industry together, forced us to come together, and now we're looking at nothing but solutions. All on the one page, 
Let's get the right grass on the right profile. Yes, we're going we're gonna to probably go through another five or six months of pain, but I think in the long term, it'll be the best thing for the industry. Geez, I'll give you that sling later, Rob. Uh, Thanks very much for that. No, that's I, tremendous. I, I'm groaning here because you're going to have to pay him. <laughs> the bear, Ben. That's what I call you now. What's that? I call you Poke the Bear Ben. <laughs> oh, in, in all seriousness, the uh, Kaikuyu grass, that is uh, the solution which, which no doubt will be uh, terrific, uh, obviously sounds, sounds great. They're, they're not, uh, you know, there's bits and pieces being done to the profile, more loam being put in. Are you, you're 100% satisfied in your mind that this solution is, is the right one going forward? I think so. There's got to be obviously a lot more information coming out, but the list of experts that I saw attended that meeting the other day and from what I've been told since then, you know, if we can, we can get a track with, you know, the right percentage of loam, I mean, let's face it, God, let's just duplicate Dooman. Mm. I mean, how good has Dooman done? I mean, so if we can get pretty close to Dooman, I think we'll be a success. I don't know how many times you keep telling me, you say, I'm going to give it away, I'm going to give it away, but you've got a bit of a spring <laughs> in your step at the moment. You're going all right, aren't you? The, the team's going all right. Yeah, well, this last year, David, it was a rebuilding year for me. I said goodbye to a lot of good old stable stalwarts and, you know, opened the wallet and bought a few youngsters and a few of those are doing well. So, yeah, I've got to spring back in my step, mate. And plenty to look forward to. Always appreciate your time. Thanks, Rob. Pleasure, guys. Cheers. Rob Heathcote joining us this morning. Uh, training release the beans, who was a very brave winner of race six. He looked gone to Gowings, as they say, but uh, he climbed off the canvas to win. Yeah, no taking away from that horse, and I know it's sort of off-season racing, but you can only win and win well that horse did again. Let's have a listen to the last race of the day. Most of these were resuming. It was a 1,000-metre dash. King Klaus is the winner. King Klaus leads from Piracy on the outside, doing a tough Desermand three and four wide. La Palmiere is all coiled up and ready to strike. Then Pizzoni, Jewel Spirit with a task ahead. Then you make me smile how wonderful life is. And Royal Witness whipped them in. 300 left to run. King Klaus the leader. La Palmiere trying to bridge the gap on the inside. Desertman running a race and then wider was Pizzoni. King Klaus, La Palmiere from Desertman still joining in. Then Pizzoni. King Klaus and La Palmiere. The favourite's got a battle on his hands. La Palmiere he poked ahead in front. King Klaus goes with him. They go down to the line. King Klaus, the Bundy champ, has won and beaten La Palmiere. You make me smile, I'd say third. From Jewel Spirit, Desert Man, Pizzoni, Royal Witness, Piracy, and how wonderful life is. Lust over the line. You know that uh, almost to the day, La Palmiere and King Klaus clashed in a 1,000-metre race at Eagle Farm in 2020. On that day, La Palmiere had the wood on King Klaus. So King Klaus had some revenge to take out and he did it in the last race yesterday, beating La Palmiere. The result was reversed. But this horse has uh, an outstanding strike rate. He's now won nine races from 15 starts. I'm sure there's a story to him. And Gary Clem, his trainer from Bundaberg, is joining us this morning. Gary, good morning. Good morning, David, Ben and listeners. Tell us about this horse, first of all, how you came to get him. Tell us the backstory to King Klaus. Well, I got a phone call from Mr. Beats and he said, we've got this horse and he's um, hurt his leg, but he's got to have nine nine months off for a spell. I said, righty then. And so he put him in the paddock and got him back and, yeah, and started working him and, yeah, and that's King Klaus. And King Klaus was a good thing at Gladstone at his first start. Yeah, he was, you know, like I, I did a jump out on him. I said, I'll put him for the barriers. He's been out of the barriers for a long time and I put him through... And holy hell, like, I'm a big boy myself. And, <laughs> and um, I said, that's the fastest I've ever been since I rode May, Mayflower Lab. 
And, um, yeah, and I said, well, I'm working with another horse, another maiden horse, and he worked with this other maiden horse so easy, eh? And, and I said, oh, we, we got a good horse here. And said, we'll, we'll take him to Gladstone, and they didn't know about him, eh? And, and uh, <laughs> he just jumped and... Yeah, he he stopped halfway through the through the race, and of course he was that far in front. And and Chris McIver said he had to let, um, get into him again because um, he thought the race was over. And, and then he won by like nine lengths. What a great story, Gary! Now listen for, for the listeners that sort of um, you know you train in Bundaberg. A lot of our listeners may not know that much about you. T- tell us your tell us your backstory and, and your, your sort of current training operation. But but, but give us a bit of the Gary Clem story. Oh, well, I was an apprentice back in um, a long time ago, but I got too heavy. I rode 17 winners round here. And, um, yeah, been involved with racehorses ever since I was 15. And, yeah, I work for Bundaberg Sugar. I drive a cane loco train. And, yeah, got currently two horses in work. And the other one's King Klaus' full brother. And has he raced? Yeah, he has. He won at Dan Gould a um, couple of weeks ago, um, Bassio Vicente. Um, yeah, Fair two enough. different type of horses. Mm. And you, you're not uh, obviously not afraid to to travel your horses, Gary. You've, you've um, recently raced horses at Toowoomba, Sunshine Coast, obviously in town at Eagle Farm, Bundaberg, Gladstone, Rockhampton. Uh, you must do a bit of travelling, even though you've only got a couple. Yeah, exactly. But he's the type of horse that has to go down there, eh? You know, he gets weighted out up here, and um, he has to go to those meetings, eh? What about uh, will he get us? Will he get twelve hundred meters? Do you reckon? Well, Jason Taylor always said when he matures more, he may get twelve hundred. You know, like when he gets a bit older, he might settle a little bit. But at the moment, he's just out um, sprinting. We should remember Jason. We should mention Jason because he's had a great association with this horse, hasn't he? Oh, he has. He stuck by me, you know, and um, he couldn't ride the horse. I offered to the ride to him during the week, but he had um, obligations down at um, the Gold Coast, and, yeah, like, he would have loved to be on him, I know. Gary, I, I must admit, I love that story about, you know, when he won on the you know, the maiden at Gladstone by sort of almost nine lengths. I'm just looking it up now. He started $3. Did you, were, you able to get, were you able to get much on at that price? Did you, did you have a fill-up? Uh, we, we got some money out of him, put it that way. <laughs> That's a, very diplomatic, Gary. Has, he, has, has King Klaus got a stable name? Yeah, the King. King. <laughs> what about, so tell me then, at the 100 metres yesterday, we are saying, come on, King, because La Palmier, I reckon dead set, got the head in front. But, he but, did, exactly, you know, and I thought, oh, well, he's going to run second, you know, and, and then next thing he started to kick him. And fight, you know, which he does. He loves to fight, and and um, he sort of got the nose, and they squared up, and, and he just just kept fighting and fighting all the time, eh? You know, and he just put the head in the right place at the right time. Did you celebrate last night? Yeah, well, yeah. Dale Smith from Clown just um, stitched me up a bit last night. What did he do? Oh, uh, we um, see, we stay at Clounger at with Melissa Taylor and Dale Smith, and we went out and celebrated, and he stitched me up a bit. Ooh. Are you home now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we let, yeah. As I speak, he's, um, King Klaus is in his stable now. I left at 20 past five, and he got in his stable at half past eight. Great story, great result. Hope there are many more wins. Good on you, mate. Congratulations. No, thank you. Thank you, everyone. Good on you. There is Gary Clem, the trainer of King Class. These are great stories. They are. Isn't it amazing? In the space of, uh, you know, less than an hour, 
we've gone from talking to Annabelle Neesham trying, training group one winners, Joe Pride, to, to Gary Gary Clem. And you know what? As good as uh, Annabelle and Joe Pride were, I reckon our listeners probably would have enjoyed the Gary, Gary Clem story just as much, if not more. If I'd known about that jump out and track work, I would have put you on a plane to, to Gladstone. I couldn't get there. I'd have to call it out here. I would have sent you up there and just unleash on it. Well, I loved how what he said it was. I loved how he said the all sort of eased up mid-race and sort of basically came to a stop and still won by nine lengths. That's outstanding. Dale Smith stitched him up last night. He still wouldn't tell us what that meant. I'll have to find out. He might, might be lying in a vat of Bundy run somewhere <laughs> I'm tipping. Great story. Let's go to race seven. Adelaide and Barnum were both well-backed here and putters were spot on. Another race difficult to predict coming to the turn. Adelaide, there are a swarm of challenges. Akage, seeing as believing three out. Word for word, putting itself into the picture four wide. Then came Barnum getting a split to come through. Akage dropped off all of a sudden. Cabochon Lil prioritised. And then came Sabanabas. Adelaide's the leader. Barnum on the outside is laying down the law. Seeing as believing a length behind them. They're the players. Adelaide's the inside. Barnum the outside. The big guns fight it out. Barnum's got it narrowly. Adelaide's won't give up. Barnum and Adelaide's. Adelaide's the inside. Barnum the outside. They reach the line. Barnum, I'd say, beat Adelaide's. Seeker's believing third and fourth prioritise. Then Cabochon Lil, Sir Barnabas, followed by word for word and Akage whipped the beat. And Ryan Maloney, of course, our Premier Jockey last season, seen to the forum bar none, gave it a peach of a ride, box seated Adelaide. She's as game as anything. Never raced better this mare and they had a good struggle, a bit like Release the Beads' race. Yeah, absolutely. And this horse, formerly uh, trained by Bjorn Baker, I think it was the first win for Tony and Madison Sears. And good to see Ryan Maloney back too. He'd taken, won the premiership last year, took a, a couple of weeks off. He was uh, half thinking about having knee surgery, um, but decided to have some PRP injections, which is basically in, you know, injecting your, your own platelets, I think, back into... Uh, the knees to, you know, um, encourage, uh, you know, healing and whatever. And he had some other injections as well. So he's avoided the surgeon's knife and he reckons the injections have worked and he's feeling as good as new. I've just noticed since you've been back in the studio, you've got a very mellow voice. Do I? Very mellow voice. You'd be good at one of those midnight to dawn shifts talking to people <laughs> on, on air about their problems or their love life. Hey, mate, I've got plenty of problems of my own. I, was, I think I should be on the other end of that conversation. I'm quite taken with your voice. Hey, I'll tell you something strange happened at the races yesterday. Steve Tregay won a race. He trained a winner. <laughs> yeah. Did you believe it? I, hard to believe. Let's have a listen to his winner in the first race. Up to the turn now, 500 left to Rana. Naomi tackled in earnest by Dick Whittington on the outside as they come around the bend. Champagne Arnie about to peel off the back of Dick to try and give it chase. Wild Moon getting up to the inside. And further back came Star Dome and Flensberger. Dick Whittington in front. Champagne Arnie on the outside closing now. Naomi boxing away fairly. Then Wild Moon on the outside. Champagne Arnie reaches the lead. Not a big lead, but a lead nevertheless. 100 left to run. Now she starts to assert a superiority. And she makes it three in a row and her sixth career win. Champagne Arty, too good. Beat him Stardome, who arrived for second. Wild Moon, third. Naomi in fourth. Dick Whittington gave up late and beat one to the line, and that was Flensburg. Just keeps on winning Champagne Arty, putting a picket fence together, and Steve Trigo saying maybe a Toowoomba Cup might be within her realm. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt that. I think Steve Tregay's opinion of this horse has gone up a bit in the last few starts. He was sort of, after a couple of wins, he was sort of saying, oh, look, don't get too excited, guys. But I think he maybe is starting to get slightly excited. And, uh, of course, that's the third horse that he's strung together a picket fence of wins on. Um, obviously, eloquently as well in the Melbourne Cup favourite, who is just still a Melbourne Cup favourite, uh, incentivised. Uh, Spanish Moon, 
now challenging for Melbourne Cup favouritism after uh, giving Stradivarius a big fright uh, the other night at York. Yeah, just going back to King Class, the uh, the line of the day did come from Gary Clem yesterday. Nathan Exelby was interviewing him for Sky after the last race for Thoroughbred Central and a typical journo's question, uh, talking about King Class and his career. Uh, where do you head to now? Gary Clem said, home. <laughs> I don't know if he was taking the piss or not. But, but anyway, they, they didn't quite get home. They got stitched up by Dale Smith and Calandra. But that, we know, is another story. Other winners yesterday, top order. Got home in a deceptive finish. I thought it had won, and then I watched the uh, the slow-mo. I thought it might have got beaten. But Kim Anderson trains top order. First leg of a riding double to Taylor Marshall. Undeniable won the third. Vinko upset the... Stable mate and favourite Rocamore in the fourth. 15 rounds. Tactic changes can be important. They elected to ride it forward, paid dividends, was able to win the uh, fifth race. We listened to release the beans and barn. Jess Bell, the second leg of Taylor Marshall's double. And both rides were intelligent rides. And as we know, of course, King Class winning the last race. Yeah, absolutely. Terrific day. I think I'd be we'd be remiss too if we didn't pay tribute um, to the late Ricky Thurgood, who died mm. uh, last week in, in Melbourne. Uh, he suffered a traumatic brain injury in a fall at Caulfield uh, in 1980 and be, he'd been cared for. He's born in Sri Lanka. He'd been cared for by his parents ever since. Um, so our thoughts are, are with his, his parents and friends and family who've um, cared for him for the last four decades. And he passed away um, peacefully, um, which was obviously a good thing. But it just goes to show, I guess, um, you know, we were talking before about falls in Sydney, weren't we? How dangerous this jockey game is. So rest in peace, Ricky Thurgood. Yeah, I know it's a, a, a trite line as such, but it, it's worth saying that it's the only profession where an ambulance follows you around. Yeah. yeah. W- and you know what? I um, When I was in Melbourne, I there was a bit of a paywall down there with the jockeys. Uh, well, not with the jockeys. The jockeys were fighting for more pay, and I actually kicked up for them because I thought, do you know what? Um, a lot of them, you know, the top ones live in mansions and live very good lives, um, but there's a lot of them battling around, you know, in country areas, just, you know, just, you know, fighting for a quid, and it's a very, very dangerous job. I wouldn't want it, so. Well, thank you for this morning. You enjoy your day and your money. <laughs> I don't know how you're going to spend it. <laughs> buy another share in early thoughts. You can buy shares in early thoughts, folks. Vancouver, Colt, Cutis. Go to the website, archerparkracing.com.au. They've got to spill the beans one up there as well. The ill-fated spill the beans, of course, the... So I've released the beans. Look, thanks for your company this morning, Ben. I'll talk to you tomorrow on Press Room. I can't wait. I can't believe I keep getting invited back. But anyway, there you go. Well, until there's someone else comes along, you will be getting invited back. <laughs> and, folks, thanks for your company. Always appreciate it. And look forward to your company on Press Room tomorrow. Enjoy your day. Bye-bye.